Hello, friends. Jim Nance. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> got a chance. Yes. He's done it! Wow! In your life! I don't know how you get much better than this. Heartbeat just went up 50 notches there, I think. Struck it nicely. Jacket is going north of the border. Celebration now. They've saved it for the perfect stage. Wow, that was loud. Still is. Welcome inside Season 2, Episode 4 of the Pelt Pod. Today, we recap the 149th Open Championship as an American superstar is atop the world of golf with his second major championship victory. We'll preview the 3M Open, talk what it takes to get out of a golf slump, and give a shout out to Canadian performances both in the UK and in America. It's Season 2, Episode 4. It starts now. Welcome back to the Pelt Pod. Ben Whiteside, Jamie Wilson, Jacob Bishop back. That's right. After a quick week off, we have just completed the final major for just over 250 days will be the next one. So coming off a high, uh, the dog days of summer are upon us. The Pelt Pod team gathers once again. Jacob, Hello to you, my friend. Arcona, Canada. You just got back from a golf trip. You're an expecting father. You're into the golf season. You've just finished a stretch of golf in which we've seen more majors in a compact amount of time than ever before. How are you feeling? Feeling good. That was quite the intro. I felt yeah, pumped was, up there. A lot, was... of a lot of syrup into that one. Hopefully we didn't lose any viewers off that intro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel good. I haven't touched a club since uh, our trip up to Collingwood with the boys. Um, it was a meeting of the four families. We had uh, um, three families. We had some Lampton County boys here, some London boys and some Dundas boys head up to uh, head up to Collingwood. So we had uh, three nights, two days of full jam-packed golf uh, of golf. Um, we played uh, golf at Cranberry 36, 18 at Lower Bay, and the boys had a little Ryder Cup tournament. It was awesome. A um, couple, couple brujas, Teddy Brewskis on the golf course, and that led into the night, uh, which was good. I think everybody enjoyed themselves. Um, luckily, uh, team, uh, team Bish did take away the, the victory. I know you were part of that, Benny. Had a great time up there. Didn't play the greatest golf. Um, Wingfield and I had a pretty good match, battled it out right to 18, and I sunk a 20-footer on him on 18 to take the match, so that was kind of nice, but didn't we both didn't play well, so I'm keeping the hands off the clubs for probably another couple days, and then we'll probably get uh, get around to golfing later this week. I know you, you boys have been playing a little bit over the last last week and a half, James. You're playing? Uh, yeah, got out a couple times. Um, Collingwood, I was unfortunately on the, uh, the losing team, so I was not on on your boys team, but you know what? I, I feel like it carried my weight and I just, the supporting cast just, just didn't tag along. So I, I don't want to put blame on other people, but I, I did what I could. But that's and, where it's uh, going. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I got out a you couple of points, couple times this week, front nine greens are opening next week at the hammer. So looking forward to that. So I'll be playing a little bit more real golf. I'll say um, some real cups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, you, you play pretty good then can all things considered because you're putting on real cups, competitive juices flowing, competitive juices flowing. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was all right. So got out a couple of times and uh, you know, I'm just hit the ball, go find it, hit it again. That's where I'm at. How about you, Benny? Did you get out uh, this well, past week? 
Summer of golf continues after Collingwood. I actually, uh, I had signed up for an Ontario amateur qualifier, which is an event that, you know, if I look back on the list of golf, uh, when it's all done, Ontario M's when I want to play. And I, it's, I've, I've gone over two now in my attempts. Uh, but, uh, I decided to save my high round of the year for that special day. So, uh, 85, I only missed the cup by a million. And so <laughs> we'll come back next year and, um, get a little better, but I've officially entered into the dark dark days of summer um my picks on the pelt pod ha- have gone south my my actual golf game has left me so i've uh i mean i'm on the phone late at night i'm i'm there's not a ton of sleep going on i i'm pacing the hallways um i'm in a dark space so i, I need help i'm it's a, it's a cry for help at this point buddy you got to take a page out of my book and um and just play the mid am forget the am all these all these kids are too good you you got to get in the 25 plus category and and that's where you play that's next year for him, Jamie. Next oh, year. Yeah. Well, okay. It did get delayed, right? It did get delayed. So I could sign up and play, but I think everything's full. So I'm in a dark back alley and I'm just trying to, I'm wandering around trying to find the light switch. It sounds so depressing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Benny, we've all, we've all been there for sure. Um, different ways to get out of it. I'm going to throw this to Bishop though. How, how are you getting out of a scenario such as Ben's here? Well, I'm doing it right now. I just, I haven't really played that good of golf. I've a golf this year. I haven't played that much. So I'm just like, you know what? Just put the clubs down for a week and enjoy life. Enjoy the other things that make you happy. And then what you do is you just put it right in the past. You forget it. You go to the range, you put a good range session in a good short game session in, go out and play your next round. I guarantee you, you're going to be way more relaxed. You'll have a good mindset. Just sometimes you got to drop the clubs and forget about it for a little bit. Then that's so just, just click the reset button. Yeah, but you don't have time for that. You're you're heading up to Sudbury for another old golf classic. So that, that takes a lot of self-discipline to just throw the clubs away for a week. Like for me, I'm like, I just want to get back out there and I just go to the range or something. And like the anxiety builds until you can hit more balls and it's better. Exactly. But then you just yeah. you just try to steer it even more though. If you you get out there and you just try to Oh, I'm not saying it works. I'm just saying that's yeah. what I do. <laughs> the question was how do you cope as well? Yeah. Well, in your chance, sorry, in your scenario, Ben, you don't have time to cope. You got to get right back out there. So for you, we've already discussed it. There's going to be a cocktail or two at the range of the hunt in the next coming days. And you find one good thing that uh, that's clicking for you and you just go with it. Because in your case, you're on a marathon. It's not Mm -hmm. a sprint. Yeah, I mean, you're playing a lot of golf here coming up. You've got some as you always are, you're, you're a man on the road and That's where I live. you gotta find, you gotta find one, one positive uh, part of the game and let it click and, and just roll with it and, and grind it out. Mm-hmm. We could throw all the cliches we want at you, you know, just take it one shot at a time, trust the process, you name Pucks it. Deep, right? keep skating, <laughs> yeah. 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 Harder on your stick. Yeah. Passes <laughs> come from the heart. Yeah. <laughs> You got to dig deep in those corners. And you, you know what? Your scrambling stats just have to be real good right now. And as yeah. Mike Babcock would say, you, you know, earn, fairways and greens, right? Yeah, fairways and greens. Mike Babcock would say, you earn your confidence. You've got to earn your confidence. I don't have any right now. I you know what else my, Mike Babcock would say? Bishop could probably do a little bit better than me, but you know, it's all about opportunity. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you know what? We're getting opportunities. My- Ben's pretty good at that. You know, it's all about opportunity. You know, he's a real good kid. You know, he comes to the rink. He works hard. 
you know, it's, it's Mike Babcock. I mean, Ben, I think, I think we'll figure something out this week for you and uh, we'll get you, we'll get the mojo in the right direction. We'll work a little bit on the, on the putter and just get one good swing thought moving forward and Sudbury, you're going to win some money back just like medicine hat. And with a power at the last, it is a nerveless, it is a faultless performance from 24-year-old Colin Morikawa, who wins on his open debut. And with a score of 265, the winner of the gold medal and the champion golfer of the year is Colin Morikawa. Second major win in eight major appearances. Jacob, that is some serious stuff in the world of golf that has so many superstars and young talents. And forget just in the United States, forget uh, our Canadian guys. There's guys everywhere. And so for somebody to come out of that woodwork and win two of the last, uh, or sorry, win two of his first eight majors that he's played in, um, can you just give some context to that, both of you? Uh, maybe even feel free to use the comparison of Tiger Woods because that's where my mind goes. Well, it does right away. If you look at, I believe, Tiger and Morikawa joins him as the only uh, players to win in their debuts in the PGA Championship and the Open Championship. And definitely the comparison with Tiger and Morikawa comes in. Uh, I think that's the only player you can compare him to at this point with so early in his career. Just want to list out some of the uh, some of the stats by Colin, what he achieved with this win here at the, at the Open. He's the first player to win two different major championship debuts that of the PGA championship and the open championship fewest major starts needed to win twice since Bobby Jones, which is eight second to win the open and PGA championship before age 25. And that was tiger woods, uh, who also has done that the youngest to win the open when trailing, entering the final round since 1979, which is a wild stat third, all time to win multiple majors when trailing through 54 holes before age 25 joins Nicholas and Jones. 10th to win the open debut and first to do it since Ben Curtis in 2003. And he's the fourth American to win the open before the age of 25 joined Spieth, Woods, and Jones. So that is some elite company. That is definitely some elite company. I think what we have to be cautious of um, on our side of it is so many more guys can win golf tournaments now than back in the Nicholas era, not to downgrade any of that, but for sure, I think for him to even like, be in the same conversation and maintain any sort of pace that those guys were at obviously makes it a hell of a lot more impressive. The one stat you said there was winning the open in his, in his debut. I think that's super impressive because it's a whole different game, right? Like he, he played the Scottish open the week before and he said, if he didn't play that, there's no chance he was winning this event. So to just basically go over there the week before and, figure it out how to play like it's a completely different game right did you see how he what he did to change a seven eight nine iron wedge going into the week because of the week before in the scottish open he ended up uh the, the club wasn't getting through the turf the right way felt because of the uh just different turf and uh he ended up getting uh, the irons changed and, and ground down a little bit more and that's huge huge for yeah him, for you to so to be able to figure that out after a week that to me, that to me, that's the most impressive of all um, to be able to do that. And then for me, it's like the stats are great. I think it's just 
the way he handles himself for for someone who's who's 24 just just even like his post-round interviews and when he's receiving the claret jug and all that just like wasn't that ultimate class right like he just he just handles himself like not to sound cliche but just like beyond his years and yeah super bright future do you accredit any of that uh maturity to the fact that he's been working uh with a mental performance coach for a long time he's just yeah. a mature kid yeah. like yeah, he anytime you saw him come up a, as a young am and obviously he's so young we didn't really get to see too much of him on the amateur scene and he's just blown up as a as a superstar which he could call him a superstar right now but he just he's definitely jamie's nailed it on the head he's beyond his years with maturity he makes me feel like i'm 18 years old with the way he handled handled himself at that uh that speech like right away giving uh props to the amateur who was that uh matthias schmidt yeah yeah matthias schmidt from from germany there like right away like that's the first thing he he mentioned yeah you expect like a you expect a 40 year old to say that not a 24 year old exactly and and then he talked you know gives props to the crowd there and um you know he just just the way he handles himself pure class just kind of gives all the fans there just you know a moment to to look over to their uh, whoever's sitting beside them and thank them like you expect that from some guy in a midlife crisis at <laughs> yeah. age 55 who you know if, if tom watson won and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to, to have some type of words of wisdom, not a, not a little Colin Morikawa from the USA. You I, know, I, I think, I think part of that too goes to, he, he like stayed his full time in school, got his degree. Like you see a lot of these other like high profile am players. They, they turn pro after a year or two in school. And I don't know. I just think staying in school is like, you can just learn so much from that. I don't know if we have a more cliche word or saying than beyond his ears. Cause that, he is, he truly is. I mean, He's not like some of the other young guys coming up on the scene, like Matt Wolf, who decides to withdraw after a bad round all the time. And just, yeah. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of Morikawa and we'll, we'll see if he can continue this into the Olympics next week. what did you guys think of the, the speed battle down there? Like, did you think speed had a shot on the back nine or did you kind of think it was, it was Morikawa's tournament to lose? I thought, uh, I thought he put up a crazy good fight. What did he finish? It was four birdies. I think he was two over after, six on the day and yeah. then i think he finished four under on the round so he got six back of a battle but and there, i think there was a lot of moments kind of on the back nine where you thought oh here here it could be for morikawa he's gonna he misses left on i think it was 15 and he hits this awesome flop shot to like 10 feet and he just made every putt he didn't morikawa just didn't make any mistakes he played such a rock solid round and to to shoot what was it 66 final round yeah and he, and he did that at the pga championship too bogey free 66 to uh to win both of his majors which is pretty incredible um i just i i speed played his heart out but just every opportunity that it looked like morikawa could make a mistake he just didn't he made the putt well speed said too in his uh his interview after he said he felt like he played well enough well enough to win and yeah he just said morikawa beat us basically yeah, he said he yeah. lost the tournament. Speed said he lost the tournament on Saturday, on seventeen and eighteen. 
I think it's good to see him back and swinging freely and see him, seeing him play late on uh, Sundays and majors. It's great for the game of golf. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm not an overly big Jordan Spieth guy, but there's something about when he gets into contention, he brings, he brings the buzz and, and you kind of root for him too. Cause I'm the same him, as you. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. In, and it amidst that. Uh, and there's something to compliment about, you know, amidst the major pressure and you see Colin and he's, you know, ice cool the whole day, but Jordan kind of invites you into the stress of a final final round he's antsy he's talking to michael greller his caddy the whole time he's 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 giving you commentary the whole day so i almost love when when he's in the mix on sunday it brings this level of stress to the viewer that you might not see watching colin morikawa you just want you almost want to go to the range and say now he's got this i'll come back later when he's tidied up i think it brings the viewer into the golf tournament way more you're 100 right because you get to hear all the banter between him and uh and greller i think like morikawa and his caddy they still had like they they have a lot of back and forth, but it's like yeah. it's more an agreement I find. Whereas Greller and Spieth are more like disagreeing at times and being more adamant yeah. with each other. So that's where I would say the difference is. But yeah, go ahead. You're 100 right. So we got kind of a a great Sunday golf where you got to listen to conversations of two players and two elite young guys. Now we're both multiple uh, major champions. So you're hundred percent right that Morikawa, Morikawa and JJ are so positive and they just work. They jam so well. And then yeah. we get the, the mix of Spieth and Greller and Spieth's just talking to his ball. <laughs> just as a quirkiness out on the course. And <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it too, I mean, and then he hits one in the bunker and he's like, Michael, what, what did you have the right yardage there? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> Like I love what he calls him Michael too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, I and I think it's awesome. And so I 100% agree with with, uh, with you too, Benny. Just how you brought up this whole conversation here on Spieth and how it's when he gets into contention, he's so fun to watch in a major, and it makes you want to watch it. And I think we're seeing another birth of another player that's going to get people equally excited with Morikawa because you're going to get that conversation. And it's, I mean, he's such a good player. It's going to be hard not to cheer for him out there now. He's, he's got a couple, couple majors under his belt and let's see if he can win uh, number three, number four, catch Brooks and see if he can continue from there. Yeah. Maybe he's the next one for the uh, career grand slam, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, let's, let's transition it over to Louis Bishop, your pick this week on Saturday. You know, I, I thought that guy was, I thought he had it in the bag. Like he was just dialed in. And then I want to say late, late Saturday in the afternoon, maybe on the back nine there started showing a little bit, of, a little loose iron shots, like a few of them. And uh, then it kind of went a little South on him. I know I, your comment earlier this year, I think you said it even before the, uh, the U S open about uh, Louie being a sure, sure thing. Surefire hall of famer, I think is what I yeah. said. Yeah. Yeah, I think those are the exact words you said. And you, you just look at, I saw it today on Instagram and they had his win. And then it, I think he finished second, 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 T2, 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 T2 third and, uh, and all these majors. And he's so close, but it's so hard to win on the PGA Tour. It's so hard to win a major. I mean, it's pretty it's amazing just to see him up on the leaderboard again this year for a third time, close uh, to, to win one. But I just hate how they just... They just dwell on saying he's not good enough to close a tournament. And it's, I mean, it's tough to close a tournament. They just bring out these ridiculous stats. Like Brandel Chambly's brought out his stats <laughs> on from a Thursday, Friday rounds to Saturday, Sunday. Well, no, sh- there's rounds on Thursday, Friday when you're in contention and just, you know, you're 10 under par that your, uh, your rounds are going to be lower on Thursday, Friday than what they are on then Saturday and Sunday in a major championship to win it. Like that's, 
no shit shambly like we already just, have I, mothers not wanting their children to watch the show and you give them that bait we just lost <laughs> all of our eight-year-olds <laughs> exactly but i agree it's no longer no shit sherlock it's no shit shambly yeah. yeah and it's exactly like i just i, I can't stand the, the stats that they pull out of their ass to to make uh make him look like he can't close like the guy's finishing top three in majors three consecutive like that's something to 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 brag about i think i like, got a ha- heck of a season to do but i think I, there's I get- enough numbers out there that'll support any positive or negative narrative you want to run with that's the that's the problem with the with the data overload um life that we the world that we live in it's there's enough numbers out there where they're going to pull numbers to support good or good or negative narratives it doesn't even that's- matter it's show business, right? They're gonna. <laughs> it's show business. They're they're gonna bring out anything they can to to stir up some controversy. Whatever but gets I just, the eyeballs. Yeah, I was just sitting there. I'm like, shut up, Shambly. This is Louis. I got him in my pelt pod pick this week. I want him <laughs> to win. Like, stop it. Leave but, Louis alone. Yeah, but I know I agree with you, James. It, like he just kind of Sunday. He just didn't do anything special besides hit the stick from two fifty three, and he made you know made made a couple birdies, and um, I mean he just. Yeah, I guess he looked a little looser out there than how well he played on Thursday, Friday. But I mean, that's that's golf. It's tough to string four great rounds to get together in a major, and it's it was a lot easier for them to do it out there in the weather, boys. Yeah, I was like, selfishly, I wanted it to be like windy, raining, typical oh. UK weather over there. Um, see maybe a couple under par winning this thing. But when I got up early and I was watching every day um just it just wasn't the case and what was they had like a heat warning on the last day it was like 82 fahrenheit so yeah i would i would have liked to seen a little bit uh tougher conditions but mother nature mother nature gives you what she gives you i I know the the golf course is just i mean it links golf is tough if you hit it in the wrong spots and you you hit it in one of those waste bunkers but when the wind's up it just makes it that much more difficult and the course didn't play how it should have played and they kind of picked it apart a little bit easier than what it uh, what it should have been. And on but, that note, what did you think of the venue for the 149th Open Championship, Royal St. George's? It's it's a it's a it's known in its um, popular rotation. There were players on both sides of the fence. There's guys like Brooks Kepka going, ah, it's not my favorite in the rotation. And there's other guys loving it. What did you think of it this weekend and all of its sun, no weather to protect it? Did you still like the golf course? I think Lee Westwood said it pretty funny how he, he's playing with a couple of the younger guys in a practice round and he hits it down. Number one, and number one's like a, like it's a Ridge. You can hit the middle of the fairway and just bounces right into the rough or bounces left. And he's like, it's kind of quirky, but he just takes this different attitude at the golf course. Now he said, ah, I don't really care. Like just go f- have fun. And so there's some quirkiness to the golf course where balls just don't stay in the fairway, even if you hit a good line, but I think it's a beautiful spot. I mean, I've never really watched it. Uh, I don't think I watched the last open when it was at Royal um, St. George and just seeing those white cliffs. And once you hear the bagpipes, when you see the leaderboard as it cuts to commercial, like Craig, I, I just wanted to teleport, teleport there and be there on the property. Cause it's, it's just beautiful venue, beautiful golf course. Um, but I just know there's some quirkiness to it that uh, some of the guys didn't like. I think it's hard for us to kind of sit here and say, cause we're not actually there. And, I mean, I imagine on TV versus in person is completely different because mm-hmm. we can't really see the blind shots watching on TV, but um, a lot of the guys talked about it. Um, but I think with the conditions being so 
relatively easy compared to open championship standards. I think a lot of the the fairway bunkers, the pot bunkers weren't in play, whereas maybe they would have been if the conditions were tougher. And then we see a completely different um, style of golf being played. Guys have to take their medicine, pitch it back to the fairway, and it's a, basically a full shot penalty. We'll have 250, just over 250 days to uh, wait out our next major, which will come at Augusta in the spring. And Hopefully that gives uh, gives enough time for Bryson and Cobra to uh, to figure out uh, their situation. Yeah, and uh, and apart from the all the headlines coming out of Sandwich, Kent, England, Bryson and Brooks find a way to sneak in there. So there was comments made. Bryson didn't like the way he was hitting driver before the weekend. He had a broken driver earlier in the week, and he makes a comment basically saying live on the air, my driver sucks. I'm not hitting it well. And Cobra basically came out on Twitter just saying, we're dealing with an eight-year-old here. So there was some frustrations on both sides. Everybody works it out. Bryson's still the number one guy at Cobra, but uh, he decided to do some whining on national television, actually on international television, and Mr. Kepka sneaks in uh, while I'm hitting my driver well. I love my driver. <laughs> and he wins the battle. So what do you think of that? Those two stealing some headlines while they're overseas again. Oh, I love it, man. It's just fantastic. Um, I mean, first of all, Bryson, like, he just puts himself in these situations where he just puts himself behind the eight ball. I mean, I know frustration is obviously playing a factor, but you can't say that about your club manufacturer. I mean, that's paying you millions of dollars, putting money in your pocket, right? So seven figures in your pocket. And you're saying the comments like that, come on. Yeah. And so it's funny, actually, I realized that the rep that called him out um, from Cobra was actually the guy that, that caddied for him at the the rocket mortgage after him and his caddy parted ways. So I, I don't think that uh, that headline got too much publicity, but I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and then <laughs> just a couple like, um, like they took the, I saw on social media, they took that Cobra commercial um, <laughs> where they got all the guys and, and what do they say on it, Bishop? The They're like, you're beat. Oh, they say beat that. They, yeah. they hit their shot and they're like, beat that. And then at the end, they show Bryson, he hits it and he goes, your driver sucks. Like they put the voiceover <laughs> on it. It's so funny. Um, but yeah. He, and then, well, then he kind of goes and he backtracks all his comments and posts a big, uh, big paragraph of how he was heated and heat of the moment took over or whatever, but the damage was done. So it, it was kind of funny. My point is like, you don't need to, this isn't a golf course where you can, you can bomb and gouge it, like get the ball and play, hit a two iron out there all day and, and you're perfectly fine. So yeah, it just, it didn't make sense to me. He's just a complete psycho. <laughs> like who finishes the round and, and just decides that they're going to bash. I mean, maybe it just slipped out, but you can't do that. Like you maybe do it at dinner t- at the dinner table with your friends, maybe not yeah. your international television. Uh, I was, yeah, I was totally team team uh, Bryson just because I thought Brooks was just, you know, some of Brooks attitude sometimes I don't, I don't like, but just kind of after the last couple of weeks with Bryson, not talking at, at his title sponsorship rocket mortgage after the round. And then this, he just gets such a bad look, like even worse than what it was over these last two weeks i i just don't get what he why he he why he did that i don't know if it just slipped but th- this is a guy who 
when he went, I heard when he went to Cobra and he was at their facility, like he spent hours every single day, like from dawn to dusk every day. And then I think it was the weekend. They're like, so what are we doing tomorrow? And he's like, no, we're off. Like <laughs> we're not here for you. And so the amount of time Cobra's given to work with Bryson and these, I get it. They're, they're going to sell a ton of equipment because of him. And so they're going to do that, but to come out and, and say that that's just a huge, that's a triple bogey. It's not a bogey. It's terrible, terrible to do. But then obviously, like you said, Ben, you know, Kupka just slides in there and, and I was actually watching it live when he had that were either you watching that live when he had I his was, interview. Yeah. yeah. And you just saw the cheeky smile come out <laughs> just going on. Uh, I've been driving it, really well. I I love my driver, and it's just, it's the same with Steve Sands. I think it was Todd Lewis, and I wish Sorry. they had a cam. I wish they had a camera on him so we could have seen his reaction because that <laughs> yeah. would have been priceless. Because because he was there for the first kind of uh, interview, Todd Lewis, and uh, when I think it was when Bryson was walking with the spikes behind him, and yep. he, he's like, I can't deal with this shit, and and, and Todd <laughs> Todd Lewis was like laughing and got on kind of seemed like he was on Kepka's side. So for him to be interviewing Todd Lewis again, I think Todd had to have teed him up. They probably talked about it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, it. Todd's uh, loving it. Todd yeah. Todd gets it. Yeah. Oh, for sure he does. Because when Todd was uh, the original interview, Todd smile about what how the boys were going to be talking about this after is just the cheekiest you know cheek to cheek smile ever just yeah, loving it so exactly so the, now it's kind of cool because kupka's like got his his guy in the inside in the media world to uh to keep teeing him up so i'm switching to team brooks here because that was just freaking that was just hilarious long-winded to set to talk about bryson here but yeah just we can sum it up the guy's just a complete psycho and he's getting bullied by the class bully but the headline that we love maybe most, it's the Canadian boys. And boy, did they give uh, everyone back home lots to cheer about. Yeah, that was super impressive. Super fun to watch. I mean, when the when the telecast showed them, I wish uh, they did a little bit more. But yeah, we had Mac Hughes, uh, T6, 8 under par. Corey Connors, T15, 5 under par. Um, super, super cool to see those guys. I mean, when they show their leaderboard on TV, you see two Canadian flags up there. It it's it's kind of just makes you proud to be a Canadian, and it's it's super exciting, especially with the Olympics right around the corner. Um, but yeah, what were your thoughts, Bishop? Yeah, pretty sweet when you have got two Canadian flags on the on the first front page of a leaderboard. Um, just you know, Mac and Corey have kind of defined that they're they're Canada's number one two guys, obviously getting into the Olympics, and obviously we had uh, two other Canadians there that. that who unfortunately didn't uh, didn't make the cut. We had Hadwin and uh, Richard T. Lee um, playing. So pretty cool that we had four Canadians even teeing it up over over across the pond. But pretty sweet. Uh, Corey obviously kind of stumbled on Sunday. We thought that he could do something in that second to last group. Um, didn't play his best, but Mac, you know, was uh, the I think the only other guy uh, from Morikawa who shot four rounds in the 60s on uh, all, all week. And he becomes uh, that T6 finish is the best finish by a Canadian of, of all time at the Open Championship. Yeah. Um, Canadian born, I should say, because I believe um, Stephen Ames, yeah. Stephen Ames, uh, before he was Canadian, uh, switched to Canadian citizenship, uh, finished T5. So from a Canadian born player, that's huge. Just again, Canada golf trending in, in the right direction. Uh, every yeah, not to cut you off here, but I thought it was super impressive that they both started bogey bogey on Sunday and you thought, ah, maybe just not going to be their day. 
and they both battled back to get it under par um yeah at, at, at different points of their round so i thought it was pretty cool that they were they were able to hang in there hang in there and, and i think what a moment for for mckenzie although i didn't get to see it on tv because they just don't show um i don't know if they did if i just missed it um but uh mac made a 20 footer for birdie on 18 on sunday yeah, they, at the they open did Champ. show it they did. They had. They did show that. His so opening I, tee shot and his closing putt. Seriously, that's what that's what I was saying too. Yeah, they they just don't show Canadians in it, and I really hope that uh, with these strong performances in majors, obviously Mac had a great great finish too. It stumbled on Sunday at the at the U.S. Open, um, but for him to play well on Sunday at the Open have two good finishes in majors this year that's some huge confidence for for him moving forward shows he can compete in the, at the you know toughest test of golf um so i i, I mean all things up from here i think we're all can uh, can expect that these two are going to continue to to keep things rolling and play well in majors although we like uh, benny said we got to wait a few days uh, for our next major although they're going to be teeing it up at uh now, what you could consider a major at the Olympics here in a couple of weeks. So uh, good luck to both of them. And Corey, Con and Corey Connors and Mallory, uh, his wife, expecting uh, later this year. So pretty, pretty exciting for them. Uh, and on this side of the pond, the Barbasol Championship uh, group of Canadians played excellent there as well. Uh, the low man being uh, Taylor Pendrith, T11th with a score of minus 18. Michael Gligic, friend of the Pelpod, coming in top 20 with a 19th place finish at minus 16. David Hearn, T20 at minus 15. And Nick Taylor, kind of back of the bus, T67 minus 5. But he has been playing very, very well this season. So, And like again, we always say, cash and a check, man. He play the weekend, put it in the bank and keep living out the dream so um great showing uh in majors and on the big stage and great showing here in the states um from uh canadian players so good to see jacob i know you were tuning in and out of the barbasol championship here in the states this weekend what was your takeaways there yeah i did have my eye on the barbasol uh this this week a couple uh obviously a lot of canadians playing up there and they had some great finishes uh t pendy playing in a pga tour event here and, and finishes almost sneaks in the top 10 but weird way to finish the tournament uh, i think the the pga tour got a little exposed this week um and they're gonna look back at this and, and say how how could we have done better uh, so jt jt poston coming down the stretch he had a couple shot lead and on the 15th hole, he snipes it left. Uh, doesn't even snipe it left. He just pulls it left, kind of catches the swing, the club under his armpit when he swings through. He knew he pulled it right away. Goes down the left side. And they really couldn't determine that the ball was out of bounds. The ball was deemed out of bounds. He goes to make double bogey, gets into a playoff, and loses. So let's just go back to the out of bounds. So it was so weird all the wires for the uh for the um, tv coverage going down the left side of the hole um there's homes that back on the golf course but there's no really defined line where the out of bounds is so what ends up happening it's so close that they have to bring out a freaking string and they the rules official put it on each post it's a string line and the, it was within half inch but the string is constantly moving and it, it wasn't really they weren't able to make at least what I think a hundred percent certainty that the ball was out of bounds, maybe from their point of view, it looked different on, uh, on the video. Um, but there was no line on the ground, which that could have, you've, you've got 450 golf balls flying down that hole that, that, uh, that week, you should probably have a defined line what out of bounds is because this just cost him. We're not going to talk about the money because that's not what they're out there for, but just if he, if, 
if he that ball's not out of bounds, he wins a tournament that gets him that gets him into not playing the Barbasol next year. He's playing in a major championship next year. So it was Jamie. I know you saw it. What are you, what are your comments on this? Yeah. So I didn't see it live, um, but I, I did see the video after and yeah, just really bizarre how, how there's not a line, a white line um, out of bounds pasted on or painted, excuse me, on the ground. Um, you just kind of expect that from, from the PGA tour. Now the best tour in the world was supposedly yeah, right? the best tour in the world. Well, and now like, I watched the video and I I do think it was out of bounds, but to your point, it's like, how do you not make it like easily distinguishable whether it is or not? Um, Yeah. And then from Poston's kind of standpoint, even if he thought it might've been out of bounds, might not have been, that's where on his, his end, he might just say, you know what, I'm not comfortable playing this, even if it might be in Mm -hmm. bounds just from a honor of the game standpoint. But yeah, yeah which just no, pl- just no player should see. no for sure yeah no player should have to be in that in that position and the thing is when you take a string line from post to post who don't who knows if those posts are actually right on the line right because there's no defined painted line what out of bounds is and yeah. it sure if that was a foot on the pro- golf course property not on the property line and it is up to the rules committee to define where the out of bounds is well that's one of the that is what the rules committee can do that's why sometimes you see internally on a golf course sometimes it's out of bounds down one side so for player safety well that's one decision the rules committee needs to make for the week will define the line i'm pretty yeah. sure g you know gao tournaments do a better job than what the pga <laughs> tour did this week it's a, that's a complete joke and it costs them it, it cost them and i i think at the end of this the pga tour will take a hard look and they'll say how can we do better because we we didn't you know well we, i i guarantee you that won't happen again a hundred percent. And unfortunately that comes at the cost of somebody's status. His on expense, the tour. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which is, which sucks. It just sucks to have. And you would just, you expect better from what, you know, should be the best tour in the world. How, you know, that's a two cans of paint to go down that whole hole. Maybe who knows, but that's, yeah. that's, that's something that they do at the beginning of every week is mark the golf course and they didn't mark it well enough. So it just it sucks to see for, you know, a good guy like JT Postman, the postman, postman. JT, yeah, <laughs> JT posting the postman, but yeah, it just kind of sucked to see it. It's still a sour taste in, uh, in his mouth, obviously. To, well, to it's, it's just week. kind of like a, it's just kind of a, a, what if, right. You just leaves that, that thought in your head after the tournament. And I don't know, like he got into a playoff. So, so he played well and I thought maybe the yeah. golf, golf gods would be on his side, but uh, unfortunately he, uh, he couldn't get it done in the six hole playoff. I don't believe in the golf gods anymore. But <laughs> you got to be good to get good bounces now. And, and the game's just not trending there, but yeah, I, honestly, he had every opportunity, but again, another week on the PGA tour, where we get some more free golf and six hole playoff. Jeez. It's like, what, how many holes is this? Like 18 extra holes in the last three weeks or four weeks of playoff holes, which is just absolutely maybe more than that. It was just absolutely incredible, but yeah, he had every chance to win in that playoff uh, six holes to do it. And he ended up making bogey on, uh, on the sixth hole and, uh, and your, your boy Seamus power ends up uh, taking the victory. And uh, is that, is that his first PGA tour win point I had was I hate, I think I actually mentioned this, um, uh, maybe it was the travelers after uh, English and Hickok went into that playoff. Why do they just only play two holes in the playoff? Like, I, I understand that you want to play the holes that are like close to the clubhouse and it makes 
logistical sense, but I don't know, throw these guys in a cart and I don't know, just play different holes. Like it's, it's not exciting to see them play the same hole over and over. It's like, Oh, we just played this par three. I hit this club. Now we're going to go play the same hole again. I'm going to hit the same club. It's like, mix it up a little bit. For sure. I I think there should be a change to, I obviously, when you have these built, these big amphitheaters on 18, it's great to have the playoff come down to 18. And I get it for a fan, uh, from a fan standpoint and for just travel for players and for, or fans, but there should, there should be, there could be a new format that just gets introduced. Like, if you just step up to the first tee and just keep going from one, would that be better? Well, yeah, I would say the majority of fans are watching on TV anyway. So I, I get that a lot of people pay. Yeah, you know, still, you most know of your fans are watching on TV. It's like sharing the wealth. All these guys up in these boxes on 18 got to watch golf and have drinks up cocktail and all day from the 18th. So why not give the guys in the ground some, something to get there first and get the good eye on the action and just start teeing it up down one. But that's probably part of the reason is they got to keep their sponsors and who, who are filling out those booths, you know, happy. And that's, that's the easy answer. Cause it's, it's all about business and dollars, but I, I mean, I, I would be entertained if it just went to the first tee and they just went on from there. Maybe play. Well, I remember. Ones. I remember reading it a couple of weeks ago. I posted it on uh, the Instagram story, and someone said, "Like, basically, have the players alternate picking holes. Like, if a guy likes his favorite hole in the course is number eight, and he says, all 'All right, I, I want to take you on a number eight. Let's go do it.' You know what I mean? Then if they tie, then the other guy gets to pick, and it's kind of like head to head that way. A complete mayhem out there. That just would be fan- a gong show and like logistical nightmare, but I think that's a fantastic <laughs> idea. <laughs> just fans running across the golf course to get to the yeah. hole, trucking it through bunkers, and then they end up getting to like that hole, and the guy's ball gets in the shoe print in the bunker. <laughs> just just that. as it lies, Mr. Gilmore. Paid <laughs> yeah. to go to the event, um, but. Uh, yeah you know still you most know of your fans are watching on tv it's like sharing the wealth all these guys up in these boxes on 18 gotta watch golf and have drinks up co- <laughs> <laughs> oh geez you know what for him to hear that <laughs> uh you know what Be- benny he's been in the dumps and i think the duo of bubba and bo could, could be the answer bubba's played well this year bo saw him on instagram earlier today looked like he had a great day with his nephew and niece at some park so he's he's relaxed going into this event so hopefully he can uh hopefully he can do something here for for ben because it's been uh it's been it's a long road up for him maybe uh maybe they gamble the wings with the money too who knows (laughs) through through a a huge change no you couldn't go that far obviously not but yeah just have have it a little bit different i'd love to see it go to maybe they play the 18th hole for uh the first time around and then just step up to the first tee and keep motoring from there at least you get some different holes and they're not hitting the same shot and it's going to test their whole bag Insider Picks for the Pelpod Season 2, Episode 4, as we creep halfway through the season, just about the champ coming off the weekend, Jacob Bishop. It seems like a two-man fight at this point. It seems like it's Jacob Bishop and Jamie Wilson, but you take a victory at a major. That feels good. You walk away with your two picks having the highest earnings of the uh, Pelt Pod group. Always nice to to take that long flight across the pond and come back with a trophy. So uh, nice big win this week. 
Um, you know what? Sleeper Robbie Mack. Bobby Mack just uh, kind of snuck into the cut under the cut line, played well on uh, on Saturday, Sunday to uh, to get up there and, and get a top ten as well. So Louis and Robert Mack, uh, I'm happy. And so Jacob. Your two ponies are at the top. And just to summarize results here, Jacob Bishop wins with Louis Oosthuizen with a T3 minus 11 finish and his sleeper Robert McIntyre, a T8 minus seven. Two guys in the top 10, hard to beat. Jamie Wilson, second place in a major. He had Justin Thomas with a T40 minus one finish and and Johannes Veerman as his sleeper, T46 at even par. That's Jamie Wilson from Hamilton, Ontario. How did you feel with your week? You know what? I was I was pretty happy with my my sleeper there when you you boys were giving me the gears a little bit uh, for that one. Um, but JT, I, I kind of expected bigger things from him. I was gonna go with uh, Brooksy, and I just I didn't do it. Not that it would have mattered because Bishop had Louis anyway. So it is what it is. I, I don't feel great about it, but I wasn't gonna win anyway. And ben the, the real side. question is Ben. The real question is, Ben, how do you feel back of the bus? Yeah, would you like to recap your picks? I haven't won since, uh, what is it, 2011? That's what it feels like. Uh, I haven't won for maybe 10 weeks. Um, Patrick Cantley was my main pick. He missed the cut. Russell Henley was my second pick. He missed the cut. That's all. See you next week. At least you're consistent. (laughs) People do appreciate consistency. I suck. I don't know what we're going to have to do for you, but... uh... The 3M opens this week. I'm just going to take the best players available to me. I've been trying to do it the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to be sticking with A-listers. Whatever um, kind of A-list talent is available, I'm taking them immediately, and I'm just hoping that they kind of finish where they should, and I can sneak out. I, I can just earn some confidence. I have none at this point. It's kind of like well, my- you, you, you won the first three weeks of the year, and – you, I remember you commenting on your success and saying, I have no strategy. It's just all feel. And maybe, maybe it's time to go back to that because it's been a long time. 3M Open, that commences Thursday. The PGA Tour is back in the United States. Jacob, you have the honors. Who is your main guy? Who is your sleeper? I'm going to take a guy. Uh, first pick. Um, I know Jamie was concerned probably with, uh, with the flight coming over, taking the red eye over to uh, to the U.S., but this is a guy who's had lots of sleepless nights in his days. Uh, I'm going to take Dustin Johnson. I'm going to take... <laughs> I'm going to take Dustin Johnson as my main guy knows how to uh, play off uh, no sleep and uh, my sleeper for the week uh, guy just graduated to the PGA tour had a great week last week at the, uh, the Barbasol. We are going to be taking Mito Pereira. I like that pick for you there. Um, he's been playing well, obviously three wins on the corn ferry, but uh, yeah, I, I I'm going to go a little bit different here with my main guy. You kind of mentioned uh, the flight across the pond after the Open Championship, and I just have a memory of Ernie Els winning in 2012, coming to Hamilton, and then just being disinterested disinterested in the inter- entire tournament. So that's why my strategy kind of veers away from that a little bit. But I'm going to go with the guy who won a, a couple weeks ago there. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Cam Davis. And my sleeper pick, I'm going to go with another guy who's been playing pretty well. Um seen him on the first first page of the leaderboard a few times brandon haggy it's good picks i am going with a bomber who knows how to win bubba please give me something bubba watson's my main guy and i'm going with a talented texan 
who is trending. Someone's got to believe in him. Bo Hostler is my sleeper. I think two solid picks. Uh, Bubba's hard to say no to. I think Bo's got the talent. He's playing and he's playing in a week where it's time for him to break out. He's got the talent. He's playing well enough. Those are my two guys. Bubba and Bo. Well, it's nice to see you've uh, veered off from a, a fellow Texas Longhorn, Cole Hammer, and uh, I hope that pick pays off for you, Ben. Thanks for listening to Season 2 of